Hello, and welcome to another episode of Myths and Stories, a Destiny 2 lore podcast. Uh, we are continuing our theme of um, Savathun stuff, I guess. Uh, we finished Truths of Power last episode, as well as Ikora uh, kind of explaining to um, Arak Jalal of Dead Orbit her ideas of what truth to power might be and, and what it might uh, mean. Um, we talked at length about what we thought it might mean um, and had some cool theories come out of that. Uh, so we are continuing our um, kind of Savathun story train here, uh, but it's not just Savathun anymore. We're, we're kind of transitioning to um, some other characters that are interacting with and around her. Specifically, Eris Morn and Shivu Arath. Uh, in our next readings, which are all going to be from the book Sororicide, uh, which launched with Season of the Witch. Yeah, I'm. I'm kind of excited with this. We we're, we're kind of like moving forward. Uh, a lot of the stories that we've done here on the podcast have all been like stuff in the past, stuff that hasn't happened uh, um, during active destiny like a few of them yeah we've kind of gone into kind of some of the more recent stuff um going into like you know the battle over saturn and some d1 stuff some taking king stuff uh as well as stuff through forsaken and and beyond light and stuff like that so like what myth was saying uh this this is a this is an interesting book that we're going to start here um tonight this is the um eighth book of sorrow uh, from my understanding, uh, yes, yep. Uh, to be added on to, were the so the original so okay so the original books of sorrow there were five of them right. Uh, original books of sorrow. Well, now you're making me second guess myself. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I do. I create little little bits of information for it to look up. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, so so the original books of sorrow are obviously the that's like the the hive bible. That's the the hive history, like everything about the hive, everything that's ever happened to the hive, um, as written by the hive. Um, yes, there were five. And so then, if I'm correct, then uh, six and seven were from uh, Dredgen Yor. That was that was his yep. craziness that he added to the books of sorrow because from his point of view he was I, I don't think he was becoming more hive but um the stuff that he was doing was very hive centric and so him adding those books uh of course by uh, of his own accord um kind of kind of helped move the the history of the hive along and yeah. uh so now we have book 8 which is um I, I guess we'll we'll start with some easy questions then. Who's it written by? Uh, so this one's kind of fun because we have three authors. Uh, it rotates between Eris Morn, Savathun, and Shivu Arath, each kind of authoring another verse of the book uh, as as it goes on. Okay. Uh, when when since since this is basically a history, since the the books of sorrow are supposed to be a a history. Where does this take place? So by all accounts, uh, this is happening pretty much live, quote unquote, during Season of the Witch. Uh, it, it's kind of 
we're seeing the process of this book actively being written as the events of Season of the Witch unfold. And is that because of Eris's transformation into the, um, I guess, the fourth sister? Yeah. Uh, that that is um, very much a a focus in the book is kind of what that means for for Eris to be making this transition into the hive god of vengeance, um, okay, and what that means for their pantheon and what that means for like uh, for Savathun and Shivu and just like how Eris is now whether she or the sisters like it or not kind of cemented in hives history and and not just their history their their religion their their yeah. everything like because she has become because Ares has become a a hive god of of vengeance you know she could have been a hive god of whatever so any any to me any entity that is going to become hive god of x uh is now part of that that religion now like that's just they're there they they exist within it they are now part of the religion part of the history so um well let's let's jump into it then myth let's uh let's let's hop into book uh what what verse i what what would it be so this is verse eight right mm-hmm. yep so book, uh book eight verse one i don't i don't yeah they they call it verse eight colon one okay so um but yeah, so we're going to start, again, that book is Sororicide. Uh, it starts with chapter one, uh, which is being authored by Eris Morn, and it's titled uh, Prolegomenon. Uh, I hate which, all these big words. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which is, is literally just a fancy way to say prologue. It, it is the critical introduction to a book. So, I, uh, but this one, uh, whereas the chapter is titled Prolegomenon, the verse is titled The Sisters. So verse 8-1, The Sisters, goes like this. Thoughts calcify into action, and actions calcify into being. Such is the ontology of hive magic. Such is the deck of whispers that has unfolded beneath my hands. These cards are curious objects, esoterica manifested by my power and the guardian's tithes. They have taken on our forms, myself, Savathun, and Shivurath. Our loves and fears, our memories, our desires. Contemplate me, contemplate the hive. These cards unsettle me. I did not wish to be unveiled so, but perhaps that is the consequence of my transformation. I am seen as I am, beneath my bandage, beneath my skin. So, too, are Shivurath and Savathun unveiled. Through these cards we have found ourselves connected. Dear devoted sisters and I, enjoy it but for the eyes I have stolen. 
I have deciphered the meanings of these cards, drawn from them the shapes of their reference. The whispers ask for reflection and meditation, speaking of the paths we have taken and who we have come to be. And so my utterings alongside those of the two surviving sisters have taken the form of a new book of sorrow, a bound collection of verses sung by their gods and delivered to their brood as scripture. Now I deliver it to my brood. Now I number among their gods. Ayat. That's the end of the first chapter. So, not a whole lot to dissect here. Uh, like Myth was saying, this is just a prologue. This is just kind of like her introduction to it. Um, but there are a few things in here that I do want to touch on. Uh, the first one being the Deck of Whispers. That is the uh, tarot card style deck that uh, during the season of the witch, and I believe you can still do it now. Mm-hmm. I, I think you can, yeah. Um, you go through and you collect each one of the cards and, and you're bringing, you're kind of building the deck as, as the season went along. Um, and each one of the cards has something different on it, just like a, a typical tarot card, uh, deck. Um, and she, Eris Morn, is actually part of this deck. And so a lot of the deck has to deal with Savathun, with Zero Wrath, with Eris, um, I believe there's even an Oryx card in there, but I don't remember. I know there's a Wormed God card in there. Um, but all of these, um, she's using these to kind of like try to figure out what the hell is going on around her. Mm-hmm. Um, and while she's doing this, uh, like I said, at the beginning of the season, she turns she turns herself into the god, the Hive God of Vengeance. And so by doing so, she has written herself into into their um, religion and, and their history now. And so um, it's, it's funny, too, because at the very end of this, she talks about how um, all the, the books of sorrow are a bound collection of verses sung by their gods delivered to their brood of scripture. Um, Eris says, I deliver it to my brood. Well... We are her brood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We, we, the guardians, are little baby thralls and little baby acolytes and little baby wizards, little baby knights uh, feeding her. Uh, because, again, the whole thing with the hive is the, is the energy transfer from the, from the, lower, from the uh, lower thralls and the lower echelons of the uh, hive up to the god and then further up. And the whole reason we're doing this is to try to steal, and I put that in quotations, uh, energy from Zebo Wrath to kind of weaken her and get her in a state that she is not a god anymore. Because we've dealt with the other two sisters, that being Oryx, he's dead, full gone, killed him in his throne world, good to go. Savathun died, became a a being of the light now, so not, I guess technically not really a threat. Though that's... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like, take that at, at face value, I guess. I don't know. Uh, and then, of course, Zebo Wrath, where Zebo Wrath is the hive god of war. She, uh, just just by nature of choosing to fight or not to fight, even, even in peacetime, she is still gathering power because then when war does eventually break out, it's that, it's that much more appetizing to her. Yeah. Um, so by, by turning her, by, by uh, Eris turning herself into vengeance, 
of saying, well, now instead of fighting for war, we're fighting for vengeance. Uh, now those tithes are being directed up a different chain uh, and therefore ciphering away from Zebra Wrath. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, to touch on the whole Deck of Whispers idea, uh, because thematically, super cool. Really, really enjoyed the Deck of Whispers. Me- mechanically, it's kind of whatever. But um, I did like that you could shorten the deck and be like, well, I only want these yeah. five cards. Like, <laughs> I only want these kinda, ones. Kind of takes away from the whole like tarot card reading thing, but because you're, you're like forcing your own. F- oh, but Guardians make their own fate. Make their own fate. Yeah. Holy shit. I just now got that. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, but no, so the the idea of tarot in general in, in our world uh, and why it's kind of cool to see translated into Destiny's universe and Eris Morn especially being one of the people interacting with it. Um, I didn't know a ton about tarot personally until I started looking into it because of the Deck of Whispers. I, I just thought of it as like a form of fortune telling, essentially. Sure. Um, and not to say it isn't that, but it's got a lot more nuance than that. Uh, it, it is, um, meant to be a, a form of divination, uh, that symbolizes, uh, past, present, and future. And the symbols of the cards, like the meaning of the cards, are not necessarily set in stone. Um, they're, they're very vague and generalistic meanings and therefore it's, it, it really comes down to, and I I suppose you could argue this about fortune telling in general, but it comes down to the interpretation of the reader as to what those things might mean. Uh, and so you could have two people two different readers with the exact same set of cards and have two uh, completely different um, readings. Not not necessarily different, like, uh, where one's going to say this, they, this bad thing's going to happen, the other one's going to say a good thing's going to happen kind of thing, but just, like, they can be read so generalistically. Um, you know, I forget what most of them were, but there was one that's, like, I think it's the death card or the reaper card or something. It symbolizes not death as in like someone dying, but as in uh, it could be the death of a venture and rebirth into something new, new job, new, uh, you know, hobby, new insert thing here. Uh, sure. So it, it it's a very interpretive type of, of uh, thing. And it is just interesting to see the hive uh, kind of put in that, especially involving Savathun and involving Eris, put into this deck of like, it depends on the interpretations of the person viewing the card to come up with what it could mean for them kind of thing. Okay. I I do still like the idea that like, because we can manipulate the deck and we can shorten it, that we are kind of making our own fate there. In a way, yeah. That's I, I think that's neat. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, but all right. So, yeah. Um, and Eris is very much putting herself in the Pantheon in this yep. verse. She, she's 
leaving no uh yeah no doubts there she's like i am along with the sisters yeah in the pantheon well well, and 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 in the deck itself she is the harbinger yes versus like being the, the vengeance or war or knowledge or whatever yes um and i i guess like harbinger uh technically speaking or like by definition is a person or thing that announces or signals the approach of something else. So as the harbinger, maybe it's like she's announcing, you know, the downfall of the hive or she's announcing the level of like, it's, it's left to the interpreter to to like, what is the harbinger? I see what you're saying. Okay. Yep. I'm connecting it now. Okay. So, alrighty. So, moving along to the second verse. Uh, this is one written by Sabathun. Um, so, a little different, uh, you know, perspective on things. Um, so, this one is titled, the, the chapter title in the book is Amago Unfurl. The verse title is just the witch. And it goes like this. We were the last surviving siblings. That's what this has always been about, Tersivu Arath. She wanted us all to survive. She would throw everything she could at us so we could learn to survive. Didn't quite work, did it? My brother's greatest act of navigation were his metamorphoses. That was his tactic. He would change everything about himself so that he could survive this universe. Meanwhile, my sister cuts the universe apart, makes it as sharp as she, until all that's left in her is her and her love. I'm a little bit of both. No need to choose. I don't have my brother's fear or my sister's vanity. Even in this infinite adaptability, Oryx could not withstand the Guardians. So Shivu Arath wants to prove she can by being as rigid and unyielding as she has always been. No need to fix what isn't broken. Overwhelming force, tactics, and intimidation. We are who we are, and we we chose our morphs carefully. I wanted life. Shivu wanted vengeance and dominion. Oryx wanted to venture out deep in thought and feed on the delicacies of truth. Well, he got what he wanted. Now Oryx knows death more intimately than any of us. No bringing him back. Poor Shivu's distraught. With all that war and ruin to hide behind, she thinks she doesn't show it. Deep down... She believes Oryx must have survived through their logic. She believes he'll be conjured back just like he conjured us. That was a long time ago. We've moved past that. Despite everything to come, I will live on, with and without them. Should I say that I miss my siblings? That I miss the times when... The threats of death and short lifespan were still with us when we piloted our needle 
when we dove and became what we became. No, Shivu is the sentimental one. We are not who we were. Who we were no longer exists. <laughs> I sound like my brother. And that's the end of that verse. Ooh. Yeah, this is this is very much uh, her kind of musing on her on herself and her and her siblings. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, kind of calling out Oryx like being the hive god of knowledge. Well, now he's so dead, and he's the only one that knows that death more intimately than either of us. No bringing him back. Like, yeah, I, he he got what he wished. Like. <laughs> <laughs> and then the of course, one final mystery exactly like that's that's that was the only mystery left in the universe was death and now he has it um and then of course uh shiva wrath just her her want for war like it, it it it's interesting she calls her out too and says you know she can she she can see that uh, sorry savathun can see that zivu is distraught even even with all the war, like you know, she's getting her she's getting her energy feed. She's good, but she's still like sad because she's very con- like Zebu is very convinced that Oryx will survive. Like, oh, he died. Yeah, okay. Well, we died to him. You know, like calling out back to the old books of sorrow. Oryx mm-hmm. literally kills both of his sisters, right? Or does he just kill um, both? He does it's kill both. both of them. So yep. he kills both of them like outright. But then, like, literally conjures them back through memory, which I don't know why I'm just now putting this together right now in this exact moment. He's literally using darkness right there. He's making their forms remember themselves as a past form and using darkness to bring them back to life. Yeah, that makes sense. I don't know why I didn't connect that until this exact moment. But now I kind of finally understand how he did it. Um, because that was the whole thing. Like, like when he killed him, like that should have been it. Like that was the whole thing with sword logic. Like I am more powerful than you. I will kill you to become more powerful. And then they came back and it was like, Oh, well now we're just going to kill each other over and over again. And it was like, well, how are they, how are they coming back to life? Freaking, freaking darkness. Like we, we, we now understand that more intimately now than we did before with the entire, with all of witch queen, with all of the, everything in this universe has memory and darkness helps, do things with with memory or with with um, aspects of the mind rather than aspects of physicality. Uh, yeah, and so you he, know what? I'm pretty sure he killed them to gain power to go slay Akka, yeah. which then gave him a audience with yeah, you know, the being in the dark. Be that uh, we're assuming the witness yep. uh, and gave him the ability to take, which would have been kind of his first real touch of like paracausality. Yep. So yeah, that, that totally lines up. All of this is checking out now. Wow. I, <laughs> this is great. I love these little like aha moments. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. So, but again, I 90, <laughs> I'm not going to say I'm hundred percent sure Oryx is dead. 99% sure Oryx is dead, dead. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like it, it's it's interesting that uh, Zivu or, or Sabathun rather is kind of musing on these because even she says, and and again towards the towards the end of it, you know, we are not who we were. We who we were no longer exist. Like, and that's true for all three of them. Even though it, it and and it's more than just like 
they're more than the krill that they were. Like they're even more now than the hive gods they were. Or right. now being, you know, dead. Um, and Sabathun now being of the light. Yeah. Yeah. I so we continue on to the third uh chapter, which is penned by Shivu Arath. Uh, titled appropriately Battle Song, um, but the verse is titled The Adherent. And it kind of has this subtext of what I am uttered by Shivu Arath, God of many shapes. I, and it goes like this. I am the God of silence. I slit a hundred million wailing throats. I watch as their blood scatters like precious stones. Their screams turn to sighs. Their sighs turn to silence. I stand among the dead and listen to the absence of sound. I am the god of logic. I shiver in delight to speak the truth because speaking truth is good. I speak my brother's words, the words he cut from the worm god Akka's throat. I am the god of life. I pair dead things from truth, and in this I find life that cannot be extinguished. I hold that life Nurture it by testing it against my will, by removing the weaknesses that bring death. In this, I embrace life and all its strength. I am the god of love. Any life that can withstand me will be with me at the final shape. There we will stand together. That life will know me and I will know it, paired to our true shapes, seeing each other for what we are. I am the god of all that exists. I have endured while others have not. I am the last surviving sibling. I will stand at the final shape and be the end. I will maintain my existence when nothing else has. I will stand alone. That's the end of that verse. So I, th- I think this is Zebu Wrath kind of grasping at straws. <laughs> 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 like she's, she's, I, th- honestly, this is like, this is, this is me seeing Zebu Wrath as being distraught. Like she really is yeah. the last survivor of her sister's. Um, yes, Sabathun is alive. Yes, she can interact with Sabathun, but Sabathun is not. I, Sabathun's not Sabathun anymore. Like no, not not Shivu's Sabathun. Anyway. That's what I'm saying. Like she can't. I don't think that. I think when she, when Sabathun transitioned over to being a light bearer, like she lost all of her darkness, everything. She lost the the whole. Uh, obviously, she she lost her worm. We've got that in cold storage back at back at the tower. Um, so there's no feeding going on there. There's no tithe gathering or any of that. Um, mm-hmm. she, I, I, she lost all of her memories. Granted, we gave those back to her. Good job, us. We suck. Um, <laughs> but she doesn't have... I don't think she can command darkness at all. 
I think no. she can only command light. I think I I still think that we humanity are the only things in the universe that can command both. Um, but because she no longer has any ties to darkness, she doesn't really. This is this is a really shitty way to say this. She doesn't really need her sisters anymore, and her sisters don't really need her. So they're. I think this is kind of like two parts. Like each side is just kind of accepting that the other side is, and I'm going to put this in quotations, dead. Um, but yeah, it's it's kind of sad, honestly, to see Zero Wrath like going through. Now, some of these kind of make sense. Like I am the god of silence. Yeah, when everything's dead, of course there's no sound. Okay, yeah. so you're kind of, I okay, I guess I'm the god of logic. Uh, um, I, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to say no on that one. Uh, I'm the god of life. Okay, I could kind of see that since you are the god of war. Like, yes, things are dying, so you are kind of in command of life, um, but not necessarily, like, bringing life. Uh, kind of like what, you, what we were saying with the tarot cards. Like, this is kind of like an interpretation yeah. of, like, what she thinks she is. Um, the I'm the god of love. I, I, now you're just being crazy. <laughs> I get that you love your sisters and like you 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 are you're you're the last one so of course you must be the most loving of the three because you followed everything through to the end. Yeah, I'm going to I'm just going to call BS here. You're just grasping at stars 100%. And then the last one, well if I'm the god of these, I've got to be the god of everything. Like I I I decide who lives and dies. Like I like I am existence. Like no. Now you're just being crazy, Zivu. Yeah, honestly, what this what this reads like to me is a little bit of like a tan a temper tantrum. Yes, uh, like <laughs> you know, Oryx, you know, their 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 favorite sibling, uh, is no more. Yep. Um, and their their other sibling is like, I'm too cool for you. I don't need. Yeah. Just go away. <laughs> uh, and so this is this is little Chivu having like a mini meltdown yeah. and be like, you, you can't say that you're too good for me. I am too good for you. Look at all these <laughs> things that I am. Uh, I'm not just the God of war. I've got a silence. I've got a logic. I've got a life. I've got a love. I've got, I've, I've got everything. Screw it. I'm making my own rules in this game. Kind of. Yeah. Is, it, uh, is that what it is? Is it's the one kid they've, they've created their own like, <laughs> game that they're playing. And the one's like, well, I'm touching the desk. So that's home base. And the other kid's like, no, you don't have your foot in the air. So that's Zivu saying like, no, making up rules. Exactly. Yeah. Making up rules as they go along. Yeah. I, I, I think so. And, and uh, in a less comical standpoint, I think this, is, this is Shivu grasping at straws. This is her having a tantrum because she's trying desperately not to acknowledge the fact that she was probably wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Like I think, and I think that's big too, because again, Samathun, I think realized that really, really quickly. Yeah. After they, after they made the, I mean, we're talking way back. We're talking back in the depths of Fundament when they first made the Pact with the Worms and they became the Hive. Samathun realized really quickly, this is wrong, and so she has spent literally billions of years planning some way to get out of it. And she's had contingencies on top of contingencies. But I think the other two 
possibly might have just accepted it. Specifically, Ziva Wrath accepted it 100%. And like what you're saying, she's just having a temper, yeah. temper tantrum here because she doesn't want to admit that she's wrong. Oryx, I think to a point, I, I think at some Oryx point... Oryx questioned. I, remember, I was going to say, I remember in the Books of Sorrow that Oryx questioned it. Like He was like, am I really doing the right thing? So I don't know that he fully accepted that he was doing the right thing. I mean, to question it just straight up says, like, of course he didn't fully accept it. But I don't yeah. think he fully rejected it the no. way that Zivu did, or the way that Savathun did. So, yeah. No, he was, he was kind of like, I, I think given more time... He may have come around to Savathun's I think line right. of thinking. I think you're but right. But it's just like at the time that we interacted with him, he was he had those those doubts were there, but he wasn't, you know, he was still very much on the path he was on. Yep. Um and yeah, Shivu just never had any doubts. She was very much like this is what we were told. And this is like, again, what her favorite sibling who I, I truly think Oryx was the role model for Shivu in a weird way. hundred percent. Uh, she's like, that's, that's what big brother did. That's what I have to like. That's what I need to do. Cause that's yep. what they did kind of thing. And they can't be wrong. Uh, it's just it's a very interesting like sibling dynamic that evolves with these three. I love it. Uh, I absolutely love it. So yeah. Um that brings us to the next chapter, number four, uh, which is um penned now by Eris Morn once again. Uh this chapter is titled Evocate Desire. Uh, but the verse, which is verse four, is titled The Harbinger. Um, and this would presumably in game be shortly after I Eris's first full like hive transfer transformation because she references that in the in the opening lines here but uh this one goes like this my vile transformation is complete what was foretold what was feared is now true Eris Morn has given in to the hive's endless hunger. She has taken up the mantle of a hive queen and leads vast armies of acolytes into war. Inevitable, inimitable. Who else but her? Who else? What else but this? Ikora believes my transformation was not necessary. It was. I hear whispers, but when do I not? They have been with me since the Hellmouth. This is what I am. It cannot be refuted or denied. This is the shape I have chosen for myself. My morph. The Harbinger. Ikora believes I will martyr myself. But what martyr walked towards oblivion with a knife in hand? I will not go so serenely. In my morph I am unafraid. In my morph I wield fear. That earliest of fears. Fear of devourment. 
since we ourselves were prey, we have felt terror at the gaping maw, at the hunger gazing at us with delight. I have stared that hunger in the face. I have endured it for too long. Now I will be the predator. I will devour. I will instill that first fear. I hunger, but that hunger has always strained against the limitations of my lightless body. But here, in the Witch Queen's endless hypogeum, that hunger has bloomed. This part of me has erupted from my body as from the earth, like one of those obscene carnivorous corpse flowers, dark cores swallowing sunlight, plush petals open to death. Ridiculous. Who would compare hunger to a flower? I do not passively wait for my prey. No, no, it is a worm. A worm I have a desperate urge to feed. It can be nothing else. And that's the end of that verse. So I, I love her transformation in game. Like she real like, I think that that version of Eris, the the hive god of vengeance, is the most truest form of Eris we've ever seen. And throughout this whole reading here, like it's it's just her at like I know she is afraid um a little bit, but I I I think it's such a little amount of fear that she's like, I know this has to happen and so mm-hmm. I I will wield that fear as a weapon like i will become fear itself i'll become the greatest of fear i will literally devour everything so yeah it i again i i i absolutely adore eris in this form and she is a badass and there's nothing else to say about that (laughs) yeah um i i do think it's funny that she's like you know, she has taken up the mantle of a hive queen and last fed armies of acolytes into war. Like, hey, that's me. Yay! Uh, <laughs> I'll be your acolyte. Yeah, it, it's kind of funny to see hive terminology applied to guardians in that way. <laughs> um, well, I guess that's the interesting thing, too, is like hive terminology doesn't have to be, it, it doesn't have to be a thrall or an acolyte or whatever. Like, right. It's just whatever is feeding you. So, yeah. like, they just have to use the term acolyte, thrall, knight, wizard, all that stuff. But, like, yeah, we're we're absolutely Eris's personal <laughs> acolyte. Yeah. Uh, I find it interesting that... Um, so, Eris does not have a worm. Right. You know, as far as we know, she does not have a worm inside her that she needs to feed like a normal hive does. But it's interesting that... When she's in this form, she hungers like she needs to feed one. So I was going to ask about that, too. I remember the artifact for that season. Wasn't there a worm in the artifact? Uh, on the end of if, the staff? Yeah, if I recall correctly, there was there was a worm in like the crystal yeah. that was at the, the head of the staff. Because when she started the whole ritual, there was like a whole like pile of worms, and she just like 
zoop, they're all dead now. Yeah. Um, to like create this high version of herself, this true version of herself. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm wondering if it it's got to be right. Like it's got to be those worms that are that are that are causing her to hunger the way that a worm would cause one to hunger. Yeah, and and that would make sense, I suppose, if maybe the worm she's feeding is external. Sure. Uh, via that staff or, you know, I'm not sure exactly how it interacts, but it, it's just interesting that like even a non wormed, uh, hive adjacent being still has that same, like yep. need to feed. Yep. So, uh, it might just be, it's so ingrained in like the hive, genetics at this point that that's just that is an instinct that's always there that's what i'm thinking but uh so we continue on to chapter five uh still with eris morn as the author uh so this one is um the chapter title is mimesis um, which is a representation or imitation of the real world in art or literature. Um, so kind of like art imitates life kind of thing. I, I like how you already had a description for that because you knew I was going to ask it. <laughs> I've got a few of these that I've got pulled up already. Uh, but the verse is titled Blades. Uh, so this is verse 5. Um, and it goes like this. What is the nature of war? Ritual. What is the nature of ritual? Fascination. Imitation shapes desire, and Sivurath has become its great mediator. She compels those she wars against to war against her, and the object over which they war is existence itself. She takes up her blade, and we take up ours. Shivurath cuts at us, and so do we cut at her. We bleed together, mirrored in our pain and violence. Savathun looked at us through a veil, so that we would not see her. Shivurath looks at us through a dark mirror, and she sees only herself. This is her design, her ultimate mechanism of desire. She would make us into her image. She would cut the entire universe into her image, so that she is the only thing left at the end of all things, vain and lonely. That is Shivurath, bereft of her siblings. The sword logic is predicated on such imitation. To return Shivurath's violence is to embrace it and its beautiful thesis. We are forced to react again and again as she makes her advance. We are forced to desire existence at any cost, just as she does. Fated 
inevitable? No, an ontological trap. The war mind knew this, as he could know her the most intimately out of all of us. His escalation did nothing but mirror her endlessly. His self-sacrifice put an end to that font of violence. It was a frustration in her logic that he did so, as Shivorath recognizes no sacrifice that does not end in a scream. But self-sacrifice could not put an end to her war march. Only doubt can do so. And in Shivorath's mournful solipsism, she will be left with nothing but that. And that's the end of that verse. So again, very much calling out Zua Wrath. Um, I, I, the one line I really like in this is, is vain and lonely, that is Zua Wrath bereft of her siblings. Yeah. Like, without her sisters, she is nothing. She is so convinced that that she is the greatest amongst them, that she will see this thing all the way through, that she, that, that the worms weren't a trap. They weren't, you know, it, it, it wasn't, they were fated to be, like they had to have been that way. Um, but then that idea of like the reason because of that is because sword logic is like sword, sword logic wants her to think that way. Like, Oh, well they died. So I have to be the strongest because they are dead and they, they were supposed to die. Sword logic says if something was supposed, if something has died, then it was supposed to die. And the things that exist exist because they are supposed to exist. It's all supposed to come down to the final shape, the fi- the last being of of all. And so, um, for her to for her to think that means that not only does any type of violence or anything like that um, help feed it, uh, we as the opposite force against her have to do something about it. Like, if we want to, it, like like what they're saying there, we're forced to desire existence at any cost, just as she does, to prote- to predicate the sword logic, to say, well, well, if I want to exist, I have to be the, the reason to exist. I have to end the thing on the other side. Which then, that whole logic there just feeds war, like, feeds Zivo Wrath. So she's, she's like, great, this is perfect. And then, Eris calls it out exactly as it is, an ontological trap. One is feeding the other side because the other side wants to exist more than the other side, than the first side, and it just continues on into a circle on, onto itself. Yeah, it's it, it is such an interesting, like, outside of what uh, Rasputin did, you know, self-sacrifice, there's no way not to feed into shivu's tithes right um so like it 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 is uh and we can't all just be like well we're gonna self-sacrifice and not (laughs) fight you because that that still kind of wins the battle for her that's what i'm saying now she just moves on to the next solar system is like all right we'll conquer that one sweet next yeah uh so it, it is so incredibly ingenious for eris to to tie like to capture the tithes that would go to Shivu Arath before they get to her yep. by taking on this persona of vengeance of like, 
violence enacted for the sake of vengeance is different enough from war, just like pure uh, survival, like fighting for survival, that she takes those ties rather than Shibu. So a very, just a, a very interesting logic problem amongst all of the like shooting guns. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I think that's like, again, I think that helps lend, lend this to the, the books of sorrow. The, they're trying to, to present these, these, these logic problems in a way of like, okay, well, according to scripture, this is how we solve the logic problem. So to be able to like define it here, now we, now we can start creating some type of solution for it. Yeah. All right. So we move on then to, uh, interestingly enough, we had two chapters from Eris. I, and now we're going straight into Shivu, which begs the question, was the previous chapter Eris or was that Savathun pretending to be Eris? <laughs> Porque no los dos. Uh, right. Like I, it could, it could read either way. Like if it was Savathun, it would keep with the previous pattern. Um, but maybe it was Eris. Savathun, Zivu. Right. No. I. So just, just a little like maybe, uh, moment. See, but that's the thing though. Like, what per at this point in time, Savathun's already given over to the light. So like. It wouldn't help feed her any, but is she just that much of a dick <laughs> that she would just keep doing it? Like, that's all she's known to do for the last billion years, so she's just like, eh, why not? I mean, old habits die hard. That's, that's, I mean, you're not wrong. Uh, um, but so now we get to chapter six. I, which... I this, this one This one has a name on it. I, Myth, you're going to have to go into full detail on this one. Yes. So uh, the name on this one is uh, written in Greek lettering. Um, the pronunciation, I think, apologies in advance for murdering this, I'm sure, uh, is Catalophyromea, uh, which apparently is in reference to a musical fragment from the first stanza of a story called Orestes, which was penned by Euripides. Um, and I hope you got all those pronunciations correct. <laughs> I hope so too. Uh, it roughly translates into I cry and lament so much. Oh, I it's sad. <laughs> um the verse title for this so that's the chapter title uh the verse title is lacuna and uh in interesting fashion you know it that is the the beginning of a um of a a song of a a musical fragment uh and shivu is singing Question mark. I want. I want to hear this? you sing this entire entry as Zivo Wrath. That's I'm ready not for happening. it. I always <laughs> say I'm going to be happening. the first one to sing. Myth is going to be the first one to sing. There will be no tune carried. Thank you. Um, 
but so interest there's there's a couple of of things happening here just with the titles alone um so you know the the chapter title meaning like i'm lamenting a loss presumably the verse title lacuna lacuna meaning an empty space or void i uh, and then kind of subtitled is my navigation sung by shivu arath faithful sister to oryx so before we even get in to the actual like verse of the song this this is all about her being sad that oryx is gone essentially yeah i you know and she's claiming i'm the faithful sister i'm the one that stood by your ideals even after you were no longer here you know um my navigation oryx was the navigator like it's just there's so many little interplays um now before we get to the uh the song from shivu that's written in the lore card i want to look at the that first stanza uh of the catalophyromea because it's kind of you could kind of skew it towards the hive honestly okay um are we taking so, this idea of of the uh of the the deck of whispers and we're trying to like we're skewing things in certain directions here i mean maybe uh but so down I'll, just, I'll read this and, and you can see what you think um so the first the first kind of stanza of this translates again i'm sure roughly into i cry i cry your mother's blood that drives you mad great happiness in mortals never lasting but like a sail of a swift ship, which a god shook up and plunged it with terrible troubles into the greedy and deadly waves of the sea. Oh. So. Oh my. There, there's a couple correlations. If we really want to like spin foil hat here, there's a couple correlations that they may have been aiming at. Um your mother's blood that drives you mad great happiness in mortals never lasting uh mother's blood that drives you mad could maybe be the worm familiar from fundament sure. uh but the that and the next line great happiness in mortals never lasting definitely could be referenced to the fact that the krill only lived for four years Ten, like, ten, I think it was, wasn't it? Was it ten years? I think maybe they were four years old when they did yep. all yep. all their stuff. Um, but very, very short lifespans. Very, very short. So like, almost cursing the fact that they were born as krill because they're destined to have a short lifespan, and there no amount of happiness will ever outlast that lifespan. I like a sail of a swift ship, which God shook up and plunged. Uh, with terrible troubles into the greedy and deadly waves of the sea. If you know the story of of the Books of Sorrow, you know that the sisters got on a ship called the Needle and literally dove to the bottom of Fundament's Ocean uh, to find the worms. And great uh, sorrow. And, and great sorrow. So, really interesting how... You could, if you wanted to, draw some correlations between the Genesis story of the hive and this old Greek poem. I like it. 
Uh, Though I'm not gonna lie, I, I was fully expecting you to to read that in in Grecian. No. <laughs> nope. <laughs> um, I can pronounce poorly one word. Nope. I'm not. I'm not doing no. Uh. But so with that, with with the the original, you know, uh, words in mind, Shiva Roth's version titled Lacuna is this. The sky gave our sisters strength from false shapes. She fell to what felled you, lonely navigator. This is their lie. Their companionship is strength. This is our truth. Their complacency decays existence. Their dead rise when they deserve to die. They will not meet our truth with truth. Thus, they do not deserve it. They are not real. You were real. You were to last forever our undying creation. I would die again to give you strength. I would cut my wound so that you may step through. You will not rise by false shapes, but with our unconditional victory. She who has been scoured of the sky now brings forth her brood. They have taken up your weapon, which is all that you are and she will conjure you back with her understanding. And that's the end of the verse. Ooh. I was really hoping you'd sing this one, too. Uh, so. I don't even really know what kind of tune to put to this. That's what I'm just, someone's going to. Like, the fact that somebody did the kitsune for the, for the two-tailed fox, somebody's got to have this with some auto-tune on it or something. Um... Yeah, so this is this is very much uh, singing the story of what's happening. Sky gave our sister strength from false shapes, saying, "Okay, well, Sabathun has the light now. Um, she fell to what felled you. She died to guardians. Cool. Um, calling that out as a lie, and then saying that the actual truth is their complacency decays existence. Basically, saying that uh, the the light bearers, us the guardians, or anyone who is on the side of the sky, um, following through with that doesn't really follow the ideas of existence. That um, if it was supposed to die, then that was that was it. It was supposed to die. Um, and so when when they say they're when she says they're dead rise when they deserve to die, that's exactly what she's telling there. Um, and since it's since they are since they they being the guardians aren't following that logic, well then they don't deserve it. So they can't be real. Like like they're not they're not even they they don't follow any type of logic that should exist. Right. Um and then of course calling out her brother uh Oryx is, you know, you you're real. You were supposed to last forever. Like you were you were everything. You know, I and I mean she did it several times. I would die again to to give you strength. I would cut my wounds so that you may step through, like literally saying, I would, I would bring you back into existence if I could. Um, yeah. But then also following, following up with, you will not rise by false shapes. So I think she's calling out Savathun directly, because if you remember in the Ghost of the Deep dungeon, which came out before this, the season before this one, uh, Savathun had sent an agent to the bottom of Titan 
with a ghost and was going to res Oryx with a ghost and use the light to bring him back and use necromancy. And it's like, Zebra's like, uh-uh, you can't do that. That's, that's, that's heresy. That's bullshit. You cannot do that. Um, and then, of course, calling, you know, she who has been scoured of the sky now brings forth her brood. I think that one is in reference to uh, Eris Morn. So being scoured yes. of the sky, like she is, the light has left her, bringing forth her brood, us. Yep. <laughs> um, they've taken up your weapon, which is which is all that you have, that being the sword logic, um, because that's that's the only thing that Eris could think of to use to defeat Zivu Wrath. Um, but then the last line, she will conjure you back with her understanding. Is is Zemo saying that Eris, like by using sword logic, now just will kind of accidentally bring Oryx back? Potentially. I'm also wondering if Sivu, the they have taken up your weapon, which is all that you are, 100% could be sword logic. It might have a double meaning with the literal touch of malice. Oh, that's right. In In which case, like... You know, that was still a way for Oryx to exist right. was via Touch of Malice. So now the the whole she will conjure you back with her understanding bit, that might just be Shivu going, okay, Oryx brought me back by understanding war so right. much that like he he remembered me into existence in a way. Right. Uh, and maybe she's thinking that because uh, based on the dialogues that happened during season of the witch after Eris's transformation, Shivu like fully addresses her as a sister. Oh, so shit. maybe Shivu is is of the mindset of like we now she, have a fourth sister we that can that understands sword logic so yeah. intimately that she could remember. Oryx back into creation. Interesting. Now, clearly, Eris has no reason to want right. to do that, but yeah. Shivu is also a little unhinged. So, <laughs> oh, only a little, though. <laughs> only a little. I. Uh, but yeah, so that would be my my initial guess is that she's that's how she's interpreting what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So that brings us to verse uh, and chapter seven, um, which is also by Shivu Arath. So I guess that throws the pattern out the window. Uh, the chapter I'm is still, titled. I'm still going to follow that idea that like, what if <laughs> Savathun? Cause just because just that would be some fucky shit that she would do. It would be. It would be. Um <clears throat> This is penned by Shiva Rath. The chapter is titled Deathless. The verse is titled Liminal. Uh, liminal being occupying a position like on a boundary or threshold. Um, so being kind of between two places at once. I, the subtitle says My Throne carved to endure by shivu arath god of love i well, she's really like <laughs> she's losing her mind at this point it, it it is interesting to think that she is literally carved this somewhere in her throne world so that like the words 
continue. Yeah. Uh, which well, she no longer of, has access to now. <laughs> uh, well, now, but not at the time of this. Of this right, not at the time right? that she was doing this. Yeah. So, so the interesting thing here is because it's in her throne world, it should literally, like, that's the whole, like, Ayat thing, right? Like, because this is pinned there, it has to exist that way be- because it exists, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, not to say that she's, like, writing what will happen in the future. She's not literally dictating uh, the future, but she's she's trying to impress upon the world her version of how things are meant to be. Is this kind of like a way to, like, keep keep herself alive? Like, in case of... Like, do you think she's scared at this at at the time at the time of this writing? Do you think she was scared enough of what Eris was doing that, like, even Zivu had to come up with a backup plan? Uh, I don't think that because what she actually writes isn't um, it isn't her trying to like bring herself back or anything. I, I think, I think in a lot of ways that like this is Shivu. <sighs> struggling again like refusing to come to terms with the idea that things are not going to go her way so she's she's trying to defy that by cart like no this is the way things are kind of thing yeah okay okay i'm following um but so verse seven uh goes like this my court is war and you will find me there I am war, and my throne is deathless. Come, cut the outer curtain of my fortress, and it will open its new eye in a bloodless laceration. Cut further to see inside its walls, the yellow fat, the purple viscera, the teeming rust-cut capillaries. These are the colors of war. These are the colors of my court. My gates open to the most life. The swollen fountains run with blood and burst with arterial spray. The paths are paved with the small white teeth. They gnash beneath each footfall, their roots raw and alive. Look, I have raised cathedrals made of flesh. When a breeze caresses them, they blush and contract, fine hairs sensing the change. They are worshipped with bare touch. My throne shudders with joy. The halls of my palace are echoing throats slick and filled with breath. Its windows are glazed with skin, opalescent and alive, latticed with blue-black veins. The seats of my throne are fashioned with living bones. Break them, and you will see their raw red marrow. Break them, and the wet pith will writhe. Two are knotted with scars, broken and reformed, broken and reformed. Look out from the terrace and see the worlds we will devour to sustain us. It is a mouth yawning black and wide and hungering. It is open in screams of base need. My court is love, and you will meet me there. That's the end of that verse. 
Well, that's going to give me nightmares. <laughs> Holy shit. Okay, this is a fucked up place, man. I'm not even going to... What yeah. the hell? Maybe it's maybe it's kind of nice that we just kind of cut her throne world off and don't have to go there. What the hell, myth? <laughs> this is straight up. This is this is a. I'm okay. I'm a little freaked out. I'm not gonna lie right now. This, what the hell? <laughs> yeah, what the hell? it's um, mm. it's something. Mm. <laughs> I don't even know where to start with it. The, the swollen fountain runs run with blood and burst with arterial spray. The the paths are paved with small white teeth. They gnash beneath each footfall. Their roots are raw and alive. What the hell? I've raised cathedrals of flesh. What, what the hell? Yeah, honestly, you know what it, it, it reminds me of, or, or it gives me the vibe of just trying to imagine, is um, very like H.R. Geiger. Yeah. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. Very, very like organic. I uh, just like organic landscape of yeah. horrific things. Yes. Um, yeah. This uh, is the most fucked up place I've ever read about in my life, man. <laughs> what is? Its windows are glazed with skin, opalescent and alive, latticed with blue black vein. What the hell? Yeah. What the hell, myth? the The throne of bones was honestly like the most like this, that was like okay this like is this like is fine thing. <laughs> I was just like okay cool but but fine I'll accept this but like uh, uh, <laughs> yeah yeah I don't I don't like her throne world and I'm glad nope. we never have to see it yeah don't don't want to go there don't want to go there. Uh, and but I'm pretty sure we couldn't unless Destiny got an M rating. <laughs> I that's you are not wrong. Um, but as far as like what this whole thing is about, like she she's just trying to like solidify this into existence is what it seems like. Like she's she's trying to do exactly what Oryx did, where like if she can write this thing in such a way that that imprints memory on this place, which by the way, without fucked up this is this is definitely imprinted a memory on me <laughs> yeah. um to where even if she dies even if she falls like this will endure this place will exist because of the memory of it and so i i i don't know it on one hand this is brilliant on the other hand this is straight madness like just the idea of trying to like carve this into her own throne world to say well it, as long as i write this down like now it has to exist on now it will prevail on like i don't know man this is this is kind of brilliant it, it is in in that sense and actually what the the last line um look out from the terrace and see the worlds we were we will devour to sustain us it is a mouth yawning black and wide and hungering it is open and screams of base need. My court is love and you will meet me there. And then there were some other references to like, uh, they are worshipped with bare touch and uh, will shudder with joy and, and all of that. So it's it's this weird mix of like grotesque uh, violence with also grotesque like ecstasy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Honestly... Um, well, the whole thing is she's declaring herself as the god of love. Right. 
what what it brings to mind for me, and I, I don't necessarily know why my brain is making this correlation, but what the what it makes me think of is the final scenes of the Berserk movies. For anyone that oh, has seen those, <laughs> uh, very that's, that's similar, good. like that's good. Very similar wavelength. I, I think. like it. I can I can see the connection. I like it. So. If you know, you know. Yeah, I'm not going to spoil it for those that don't. That's where I'm at on that one, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, uh, I do like yeah. that idea of like, this is this is kind of brilliance. It, if she is, since she is declaring herself as the god of love and then like cementing this into the memory of anyone who reads it, now it has to be able to exist according to the logic that Oryx used to bring her back of just remembering war so intimately that Zebo Wrath came back into existence. Yeah, I think I think she is trying without admitting it, she is trying so desperately to either bring Oryx back to like be her beacon, you know, give yeah. her direction again. Be the navigator, um, right? Right. And at the same time to like cuz she says it multiple times like I will be the last thing at the end of the universe. I will survive the final shape. I'm like, um newsflash. <laughs> Well, no, and, no, you won't. <laughs> well, and to her, that it it has to be right because she's the last surviving sister, right? And as far as she's concerned, like they are, they it. they're dead. Like, yeah, like that's she's she's destined to be the end of the universe. Yeah, in the same way that Callus thought he was, and we exactly. saw how that went. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Kara has. Oh man, what if we find an Ahamkara bone? In all this hive stuff. I mean, this is some bullshit myth. It's not, I don't say it what won't if the Leviathan up. was just an Ahamkara? This is some bullshit myth. I <laughs> don't Destiny think Universe. the Leviathan was an Ahamkara. We actually, we know the Leviathan was not an Ahamkara. <laughs> yes. But what if? No. Uh, but what if? I, it's just there's so many times that Ahamkara bones have come into play that it's just. Oh, like they the, have. They the, absolutely the, have. The destiny of universe literally runs off of Ahamkara bones and Sibu and or, or and Savathun bullshit is what it is. Uh, so um, we now move on to an entry from Savathun, who uh who like has some commentary on the state that Shiva Wrath is in at this point. Um, so we uh, are on chapter eight of Sororicide, which is titled Swords and Lanterns. Um, and the verse itself is titled Ascension. And it goes like this. My sorry, sad, inculcated sister. She thinks she's as honest as a knife's edge just because she never speaks a lie aloud. But she's prone to contradiction, at least since our beloved brother fell. She could never quite understand it. Someone as mighty as Oryx brought down by liars, his bloodline destroyed, his corpse left to desiccate in Saturn's orbit— Shivu Arath actually believed that dreadnought of his was unassailable. But Oryx knew that he had limits. More than once he took the power of our deaths to defeat something stronger than himself. 
She's just bitter she wasn't there to die for him again. She says she's the god of death, but I've seen her throne. It's a mausoleum for life, with all of the close, cloying comfort of a birthing room, wet and raw and filled with disgusting effluvia. I imagine it reminds her of our gardens so long ago, and all the things that grew there. She really shouldn't be so nostalgic. There was a game we played when we were young, swords and lanterns. Sathona held the lantern, while Shiro held the sword. Sathona would search for her hidden sister, and Zero would avoid the lantern's light. If Zero touched Sathona with her sword, she would win. If Sathona found Zero with her lantern, she would win. Sathona devised the rules, but Shiro would let her sister find her. I still give her presents, too, of course. I gave her Torbatl, my gift to my last surviving sibling. She gobbled it up so greedily. She didn't even consider how it proved her precious logic false. What kind of thing is a gift? The deep doesn't give gifts. Neither does logic. But we're sisters. I thought I'd be nice and share. Shivu was too busy to notice that little contradiction. She never even thanked me. What did she say as soon as she set foot on Torbottle? For as long as you have worshipped war, you have worshipped me, ayat, ayat. That was Torbottle. I know a joke in a dead language. Aibat. And that's the end of that verse. Ooh. I think she just called her sister out. <laughs> I like, Pretty much. I like that. Like, that's that little ending there. Mmm. Mmm. I see you. But yeah, yeah, no, she's, she's definitely, like, like what you're saying. Like, she... Sabathun is definitely... Um, I don't know. I, I, I can't really tell if she's sad for her sister or if she's just like, kind of like, like you poor dumb idiot. Like I, I think it. I think it's a little more that one. <laughs> that seems um. more what it's about. Like <laughs> this whole thing screams like, okay, cool. You're so convinced that you're right that you can't even see how dumb you are. Like. What is wrong with you? Whatever, it's fine. You're gonna lose anyway. It doesn't matter. Like that's that to me is the way that Sabathun is kind of writing this. Like, yeah, it, yeah. Well, and interestingly enough, when Sabathun's talking about this game that they played, she she addresses Sathona in the third person yeah. as if Sathona is a different yeah. person. Um, which I I mean I guess. Maybe Savathun is so far removed from what Sathona was at this point that well, she if you, is. If you think back uh, to one of the earlier verses uh, that we read tonight, where she, where she says, "You know, we we are no longer that. Like we, yeah, that mm-hmm. doesn't exist anymore." So to so to me, for her address, like she's fully accepted. Savathun has fully accepted that Sathona was a different being altogether. Like it, yeah. Yes, she tra- she transformed into Savathun, but in Savathun's mind, that is truly a different thing, and can ne- she can never go back to that. 
Yeah. And Shivu is almost like, by comparison, is desperately holding on to that past yeah. as like her anchor of sorts. Yep. Um, and in an interesting way, uh, Savathun, you know, is like, she says she's the gods of, she's the god of death, but I've seen her throne, which we unfortunately just heard the description of, (laughs) but Savathun points out like, it's a mausoleum to life. Like everything in it, as grotesque as it is, is living. living. Yeah. And it, it like there's not a dead thing there other than the bones that make the throne. But even the bones are alive. Like she says, if you break it, you'll see the red marrow inside. Like, right, right. Yeah. Everything in there is still kind of teeming with life. So for as much as she's about like death and killing and the ending of life, she can't let it go. No. Especially when you consider throne worlds are a reflection of the inner consciousness of the being that made them. Yep. So it is a it is an interesting. I do uh, like I do also point. like their little game there, like swords, lanterns, like swords yeah. being sword logic, lanterns being the light, and it's like, well, if the light can can expose the sword, then the light wins. If the sword can can kill the light without being seen, then the sword wins. Like. Very, very, you know, obvious between light and dark there. Yep. Uh, so I do have a question about the end there though. Like yeah. when, when she called you know, she she says, you know, I gave her tour bottle and she never even thanked me. She, you know, oh yeah, cool, I ought, I ought, whatever. What's that last part? I know I know a joke in a dead language and then her jo- her joke her, that what that final word there? What is that actual? What's the actual meaning behind that? Yes. So this is kind of cool. Um. So we know the hive when they're stating something, uh, they say "iot," um, roughly meaning, uh, I have said it, therefore, or or roughly meaning like it is fated to happen. It is destined that this thing will happen. These words I just said are true because they're destined to be true. Whereas uh, I bought with the B in the middle means that events happen because I have imposed my will to make it true. Interesting. So the, the distinction being that this is the way it was always supposed to be being Ayat and this is the way I made it be is I bought. Interesting. The dead language being Latin, of course. Yes. Yeah. Which I, I think it's a joke in, in on itself. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's, it's like Savathun is saying, you know, you got, you got Torbatal because I willed it to be yeah. so not because, not because you, you were destined to have it. Yeah. Like she, like okay, I'm seeing that now. Ziva Wrath says, "For as long as you have worshipped war, you worshipped me." I ought would meaning like, oh well, I took Tor Bottle because I was destined to take Tor Bottle, not even knowing that Savathun like basically handed it to her on a silver platter and yeah. was like, "Here's Tor Bottle," and so she's like, "No, no, no, I gave you that." Like you don't even see that your logic is flawed. Oh my God, that is. 
that's kind of like a betrayal too like in a, yeah in a lot of ways it's, i don't know it's a it's a backstab and a yeah. and a gift at the same yeah. time it's like by the act of giving you this i'm proving everything just, you believe in is wrong the last billion years of your life was shit and sucks to suck like well then well played savathun well played so i uh, the next chapter um is penned by shivu arath uh, chapter nine. Uh, this one is the chapter is titled, and again, this is a Greek name. I'm sure I'm going to get it wrong. Um, Antigone. I, uh, Antigone drowns. I uh, and this is in reference to uh, a Theban uh, princess who is a character in a whole bunch of different like Greek tragedies. Um, I, Oedipus, I, I think is the main one that, that most people would know her from. She's the daughter of Oedipus, who is the King of Thebes. Um, that, that one I do know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's, that's one that most people are familiar with in, in one way or another. I, but so this is like the drowning of, this princess is the the title of the the chapter, and I I'm wondering if Shivu is like equating that if if she's the princess, quote unquote, you know, Ooh. and like she's she's drowning in sorrow because the verse is titled "Lament." Ooh. Um, and the the subtitles are Shivu's mourning, sung by Shivu Arath, sister to a dead king. So the, this seems to be her still in mourning over Oryx. I mean, it's been a few years, Zebu. He, he's dead. You got to deal with this. I mean, from what we've seen in the previous uh, entries, like she, she's, not, she's not good at letting this go. Well, but I guess, I guess to be fair, when you followed a logic for a billion years. That's true. Like yeah. three years is nothing. Yeah. No, that like, that's a very good point. It it's really hard for us to wrap our minds around what an existence of that length would be like. Right. So that's where like, okay, so I get I guess I guess the grieving process for them, like being seven or eight years, is probably wouldn't be unheard of. Like Yeah. And that's that's not to say, um, you know, to to be to to reel it into to real world that's not to say people ever really stop grieving in some cases right. like there, there's plenty of people that that lose those that are close to them that like it's it's a constant thing Ho- you know hopefully it gets more manageable but it doesn't necessarily go away i can um, attest to this <laughs> <laughs> so i uh, so maybe Shiva's experiencing something similar there, and I uh, sure, yeah, and and like you said, it three years to a being that lives billions is the blink of an eye, right? So, uh, but this one is very short. Um, again, titled "Lament" is Shivu's mourning uh, over Oryx, and it goes like this: Grief, there is no grief. 
I will not grieve. Fear, there is no fear. We do not fear. Pity, there is no pity. There is nothing to pity. Grave, he will have no grave. We do not dig graves. Rot, he rots beneath the waves. And that's all there is to that verse. I feel like this would be like a metal song, right? (laughs) Grave, there is no grave. Like, yeah, that's what I'm thinking. This is definitely. Yeah, I can see that. I think think Zivu is a death metal fan. I'm, I'm. I, she and I could rock out every once in a while. I like it. Um, yeah, no, very short here. Like, obviously, you know, grief, fear, pity, grave. None of these things exist because sword logic says we shouldn't do, we shouldn't give in to those feelings. Right. Um, even the grave, like, we shouldn't even dig a grave. Like, that thing was meant to die. Um, and then, of course, rot. He rots beneath the waves. Just telling us where Oryx <laughs> is. Right. Like, <laughs> duh. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, very, very straightforward here. Yeah. And as much as, um, as much as sword logic dictates that like, these are not feelings to have in, in this, in the death of anything, uh, even Oryx, I, I think like, this is also her acknowledging that she is having those emotions by, by like, she's rejecting them but she's also writing down that she's rejecting them therefore which acknowledging by nature that they means exist. that right exactly yeah. and so specifically it, writing them down in the books of sorrow like yes yep yeah <laughs> oh um but yeah so real short one again just like savathun's real or uh zivu is real messed up about Oryx's death still. Oh, yeah. Well, and and the other thing, too, that I don't know why I didn't really realize it till now, each one of these verses is a card in the deck. Oh. I don't know if you caught that either. I totally didn't even... Didn't even click, but you're absolutely right. Every single one of these verses is a card in the deck. So not only are these verses being written down in the Books of Sorrows, they they are... physically manifest in the in the deck of whispers and it being a you know modeled on a fortune telling deck uh eris i mean eris told us at the beginning of this that like the deck of whispers is unveiling the beings that it is about yeah so yeah it's it's really cutting to kind of the the core thoughts of thoughts and feelings of these these three i like it i like it a lot (laughs) uh so that brings us to chapter 10 uh which is back with eris um this one is titled the auger casts her bones um i believe this is in reference to casting bones is another form of like fortune telling Yep. Uh, they would have carved uh, runes carved into the bones and, you know, you would roll them essentially in different rune combinations and mean different things. Uh, but that's the verse... That's where the whole, like, throwing bones, like, rolling dice came from, I yep. believe. Yep. Um, but the verse, uh, verse 10, is titled The Lie. Uh, and it goes like this. 
It is a dire error to see Savathun's predict predictions as truths divined from some inner foresight. She did not prophesize. What we are attempting here was just one possibility in an infinite collection of possibilities, and a choice we made in an infinite collection of choices. She could not have anticipated them all. She could only cast her bones in the space between certainty and augury and watch them fall. It is odd to speak of her in the past tense. Even in death she is here with us, pulling at our strings, howling with laughter at our failings as she did years ago. But now our failings will be her sister's triumph and Savathun's lasting death. No, the witch queen never dealt in fate. In this we share her understanding of the universe. Every movement is a result of a meticulous application of desire. This path was carefully constructed, and we were predictable enough to place our footsteps into the imprints she made for us. It is a truth dressed as a lie, so that we may overlook it. But that is not fate. Fate is the purview of Shivur Rath's childish logic. The dead were destined for death and the fall of her sword is inevitable. We are not as easily fooled as she. That logic is a lie dressed as a truth, so that we may waste our time with it. No, I am not here because of fate. I am here because of will and machination. But if neither are my own, is that any more desirable? No matter, I will take control. I possess that power. I will cast my bones, as the witch queen did, between certainty and augury. I will see Shivurath's worm devour her. She will be struck down by her own bargain and fall like lightning. I will see Savathun undone by my own trickery. She will behold me as I am and know that I am her ruin. This is the path I lay for them, and they will follow it. I ought. And that's the end of that verse. So Eris is, is saying something that, kind of leading back to the truth to power entry, the one about uh, you know guardians make their own fate. Cool. This is a mm -hmm. this is a known. But what if I can, what if I can, if if I know the choices that a given guardian's going to make, and can lay out what seem to be choices in front of them, knowing, what, like like again, it can't be a hundred percent knowledge. Like you know, Erisim says so here. Like witch queen never dealt in fate. Like it's that's not what it is. She's not. She can't predict the future any more than you know we can. But if she can create that path to walk, 
if she can manipulate that enough that she knows with a high, high probability of success what the outcome is going to be of each choice, then of, of course it's going to look like she is predict like she predicted all of this. She knew all of this was going to happen. But it's again, it's Eris is even calling her out for that. Like, well, we were just dumb enough to follow it. Like, we knew that the path was carefully constructed. We just, we just, you know, we can't help our 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 own nature. Like, we are going to end up following those imprints that were laid out literally, you know, foot foot for foot foot bleh, footstep for footstep for us to make, and therefore proving. Savathun right um but yeah it's it's and again then she calls out later on you know we're not as foolish as you know fate is the is the purview of zero rast childish logic you know like everything was designed for death so when it dies that's it like and and her and the fall of her sword is inevitable being like well sword logic has to exist because dead things die you know, like once once they're dead, they they shouldn't have existed in the first place, and they, this is just the world's or the universe's way of slowly leading to that to that final shape type um, idea. But then, you know, calling us us out, saying, "Well, we're not as foolish as Zero Wrath is." Even that logic is a lie dressed as truth, because yeah, okay, th- the idea that the dead thing has died and your sword caused it, okay, from one point of view, and again, kind of calling back to that the whole tarot card thing, like. From your point of view, yeah, that should look like logic, but it, but is it really, or is it just the way it's being perceived? Yeah, and Eris kind of, you know, we, I don't remember exactly when we would have received this one in game, um, but this is kind of the the I think first indication that Eris is like, I'm not going to play by the expectations i'm not going to um use this power that i am gathering to wipe sivu off the face of the planet myself i'm going to make her no longer an issue but i'm going to do it my way in a way that isn't being predicted by savathun which I think would lend it more strength. Yeah, I, I would agree. Like that's like the that's the whole idea here is how do we take strength away from Zero Wrath and Savathun? Even though like obviously like Savathun is is here, like she she is a, a light bearer now, like she can just be rezzed over and over again. Um but if she if if Eris can do what she's doing without feeding the other two and I say the other two without feet for one hundred percent without feeding Zebo Wrath, but without even like you know doing it separately from the Witch Queen, so that way the Witch Queen can't just walk over and go, "See, I told you this was going to happen." Like that, even that is taking power away from Witch Queen, like not physical power and like the the whole worm energy chain thing, but like just you know showing Savathun like you're not really in charge of anything. Like you didn't, you, yeah, you had an idea of what was going to happen through a lot of this because you want it, you set the choices kind of in motion. But at the end of the day, we really do kind of like make our own fate. But even, even Eris calls it out here. Like I'm not here because of fate. I'm here because of will and machination. Like she willed it into, into existence for her to do what she's doing. And it's her own, her own way of doing it. Therefore it can't be tied to fate. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I like this. 
I think the the biggest the biggest blow we can give to Savathun at this point is do something she didn't expect. Yeah. Or plan for at least. Yep. Though I do still so. think it's fucked up that Eris signs the whole thing off with Iot, and I'm like, God damn it, Eris. <laughs> you were doing really good. Well, and it's interesting because Eris is is doing that like it will be this it will be this way because it must be this way is, is essentially what she's she's saying there. She should have um, said it. I I bought, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. It will be this way because I will make because it. I this willed way. it this way. Yeah, yeah. But I don't know that she's ever come across that uh that particular terminology, to be honest. Um, I think the first time it's been said is in this <laughs> lore book. Previous, yeah. So, yeah. Uh but following this is another entry from Eris. Uh this is chapter eleven titled They Drink Strong Poison. Um, but the verse, number 11, is titled The Truth. And it goes like this. The hive are not a monolith. They have internal contradictions, strife, tensions. These threaten to engulf them. There is a fissure forming that I alone behold with open eyes. I will one day... It will one day yawn and gape, and something will crawl from it which will shake the hive's foundations. Perhaps that thing is me. They sense this possibility and cling to their imperative truth out of fear. To this end, Shivurath lies to herself continuously. With each deception she immures herself in a great fiction she must restore with each forming crack. This is why they fear and revere their own logic. The first doubt, the oldest doubt, the entauxona, it would destroy them. To this end... Oryx's grand philosophy encompasses everything it touches, every paradox, every conflict. Love is death, war is love, and what is at peace is sick. Even his defeat was a movement towards the final shape, as he knew that his killer would become him. In his logic, that is all his killer could become. It makes failures into proofs so that their logic may weather them. It will all collapse one day. I will make sure of it. I will break their truth by my becoming. I have stolen much from the hive. I took their eyes, their fetid magic, and now I have taken from them again. Each time I descend into the deep, I take what I need, and take what I am owed. Just as the taken king slew Akka to satiate his worm, I see now, with all my years of study and strife, all my years of venturing into the dark, so that I may put my eyes to good use. 
I have conjured him. This is what Shivurath sees when she beholds my morph, her brother, triumphant, reborn. In this way, I am truly loved. And that's the end of that verse. So I, I, f- I feel like Eris might be going a little mad. <laughs> Especially towards the end of this one. Um, I, I don't know, man. Yes this and is... no. Um, so if we reference back, I believe the end of our Books of Sorrow series, we talked about some entries that were edited slash added on by the hive remaining after Oryx's death. Right. Where they oh, discussed oh, the, ones that, the ones that came with the um shadow keep yes. puzzle. Yep. Yeah, 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 yeah. The in that the hive discussed that the guardian that slew Oryx was not the one that would take the mantle of the taken king, take up the mantle of Oryx. It was Eris, because Eris was the one that wielded us as her weapon. We were just the instrument. We weren't the the, actual... Right. We were the instrument of her revenge. Yep. of, Of her fighting against Oryx. And they assumed that she would become the taken king that she would become the uh be the one to claim the mantle of oryx and in a way she kind of has i in season of the witch she became a hive god yeah i and that's that i think is what she's saying here is sivu arath is seeing the killer of oryx assume the role of a hive god to to shivu this is all in perfect order this is how things were meant to be should have been yeah 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 and so that that's you know eris is saying like shivu sees me as her brother triumphant his logic is being proven by me joining their pantheon okay okay interesting i never really thought of it that way but that's I mean, that shit, you broke my brain. (laughs) Yeah. She even says it in here, you know, I, I, you know, I took their high, I took their eyes, I took their magic. I, I, every time I descend in the deep, I take what I need and I take what I am owed. Like she is the taken king. Like she even, she's even almost kind of accepting that she is the taken king. Like, but, but not really not really accepting it she's just like okay well this is how z man that that is brilliant that really is brilliant she like she's again she's she is assuming the mantle but not in the way that not was, through sword logic not through the right, way that, not, that's that's predicated not, not, i mean not, i, I kind of it kind of is right not the way not not in the traditional fashion like it's not she's like okay i'm taking his seat you all are you know you this brood is now mine kind of bow to take an heiress yeah Yeah, no it's it's very much like i'm going to use the idea that i can assume that role as a weapon against you man that is 
It really is brilliant. Like, because then she is breaking the logic. Like, now she is like, yeah. on you know, on the one hand, from Zero Rath's point, and again, that's the whole thing about this. It's all about interpretation and point of view. It's like, from Zero Rath's point of view, oh, well, she did exactly what she was supposed to do. But from Air's point of view, she's like, eh, not really. I mean, like, I, I, I kind of did, but no, no, I'm using this for my own, my own will and my own ideas and my own way of doing this. So, yeah, I, man, man. <laughs> so that brings us to the final chapter of Sororicide, uh, titled Love. Um, with the verse title, The Wish, and it is penned by Savathun. Uh, and it goes like this. Eris will comport herself beautifully. I wish I could behold her morph. I can see it in my mind's eye. Her titan will engulf her. Her eyes will be uncovered. She will laugh and what a delightful sound that will be after everything. Genuine, full of my guile and my sister's zest for life. I may, see, I may still see her morph. There is still time. I'll be so proud of her. It will seem like fate, something that couldn't have happened any other way. But Eris is smart enough to recognize my touch. She will realize it was me and understand that this was what I made her for. She'll see all the intricacies of the path I have laid before her from the moment my nephew raised his sword. Not too long ago, that understanding would have starved me. Now it's just icing on the cake. I hope she's not too upset. Uh, well, I'm sure she'll get over it. There were contingencies, of course. It's foolish to put all of your eggs in one basket. One must lay snares and set events in motion that may never quite snap into place. But this, this was easy. Perfectly aligned. Shivu Arath will make it clear why it had to be this way. She will do exactly what I know she will do, because that is all she is ever able to do. Anything else would kill her. Because in the end, my sister just wants someone to love, fully and completely. And she's given up on me. So I will give her Aris Morn. And that is the end of the verse and the book. I, f I feel like this is just Sabathun, like, kind of like giving us the middle finger. Like, haha, <laughs> told you so, told you I could do it, told you I laid all this shit out. All part of my plan. All yeah. part of the plan. Like, she's just, she is the biggest bullshitter. Now, what is an interesting implication, though, uh, says she will see all the intricacies of the path I have laid before her from the moment my nephew raised his sword. So, Savathun is taking credit for everything that <laughs> happened to Eris <laughs> since Crota. Yeah. <laughs> essentially. Yeah. Uh, now, what is interesting is that this verse is titled The Wish. Yep. We know Savathun has had dealings with Ahamkara by nature of Riven at the very least. Yep. It's possible that Eris ended up where Eris ended up because Savathun God damn it. 
made a wish. God damn it, Mythborn. This whole goddamn universe runs off of stupid <laughs> wish magic and stupid Savathun. Oh, this is... Uh, I can't I just, say I mean, it's bullshit because it's not like... Damn it, it, it man. Could, <laughs> it could be unrelated. It could be in reference to like, I'm giving Shivu Arath her wish. Or, you know, I'm but then, like, making Eris... She really can. She really is in control of all the choice. Like fate really isn't a thing because Savathun just wished everything. God yeah, damn it! I man. mean, this is some I, more shit. I don't know how on the nose they're trying to be with that title, but I don't know. It's there. It's worth speculating. Damn it! I thought we'd <laughs> outsmarted her. No, nope. never, never outsmart the liar. The goddess of trickery. This is some bullshit myth. <laughs> this is some bu- like, oh my god. I do like that though. Like she calls it out and she's like, well, not long ago that understanding would have starved me. Like we know that her whole thing is like t- the misunderstanding of her of Sabbath. Yeah. And like if 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 all of this had been figured out before she became of the light, that might have actually killed Sabathun. Very possibly. And now it's just kind of like, haha, told you so. Yep. Like, God damn it. <laughs> All right. No, I do like it. Like, so as far as like uh, the season of the witch, like the last thing to happen was, you know, Sabathun being brought back. And she's like, she starts talking to Eris and Eris just fucking murders her. Like, yeah, you're dead. It's like, what the hell is that? Did you just res her just to kill her? Just to, <laughs> just to kind of like give a middle finger back to Sabathun. I get it. Like, but come on, Eris. Like, let's. Let's collect well, ourselves. It was it was so she could gain her power. Exactly. Uh, but I'm sure it had that that secondary effect of just being really satisfying. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. All right. Uh, well, uh Yeah, that's uh that is uh Books of Sorrow book 8. Yep, Sororicide. Verse, verse 8, Sororicide. Um Okay, well let's uh let's do some shout outs then. Uh which real quick, I've realized we didn't do this. Um for anyone not familiar, sororicide is the act of killing one's own sister. So that's where the, the name of the book Makes comes sense. from. Yeah. Checks out. All right, but now shout outs. Now shout outs. So yeah, we have a couple shout outs. Uh as say one of which is uh, very long. We had a, a very uh, excited uh, listener. So thank you it. for that. I love seeing the excitement. Um, it makes me so happy. I I may have a slightly abridged version <laughs> that I, I read out just for the sake of time here. Um, but without further ado, the first one um, comes to us from Apple Podcasts. Uh, Only I Karma Kai. I believe is is the username. Like um, left a very kind five star review uh, titled "Warlock Turned Hunter." I love both equally. <laughs> Liar! You can't lie uh, to us. We know you're a warlock at heart. Just like uh, I'm a titan at heart. I have to accept yep. this. We all have yep. to accept what we are. Uh, but they go on to say in their review, uh, "Destiny at first was my escape from me yelling at my TV because I was being griefed in." GTA Online. Uh, But this game really grew on me. 
I've always been a sucker for a good game that has good storytelling like Destiny. Uh, I've always been into comedic and Greek mythology as a child, so to see characters like Osiris and even Rasputin have deeper inspiration uh, makes me very excited. Uh, plus, this was the first game that I've played to ever get the bow mechanics to the letter. Um, I also met my current best friend because uh, because of doing the comfort dance and emote uh, on IO. Um, they go on to say, uh, for the last two years, I have played this podcast during my overnight shifts, train, bus rides, and in between my personal time doing chores around the house. Uh, hearing how dedicated you two were to put out content, when even when you were sick and not as capable to deliver a wide vocal range, uh, even just shows uh, the commitment. I'd add 10 stars to this review if I could. Well, thank you. Yay. Uh, my favorite episode uh, episodes has to be the Bray series. Uh, here, it is a good one. It was a, that was a fun the one. Bray series. That, that's my favorite. Uh, here's to the two of you being my favorite way to follow the behind the scenes of this game that I wish I knew about earlier in my gaming career. See you, Starside. Everyone's uh, everyone's got to start somewhere, man. Like I, absolutely. I started with Taken King, and I was hooked ever since. Like. I didn't get the full original. I got I got a very very small taste of the original, which was you know the summer before Tekken King came out. I had gone down to my friend's house, uh, and and he had the game, and it was hilarious because like he really had no clue what we were doing the whole time, and so like I just kind of played while he was at work uh, while I was staying with him for a week, and uh, like one night we were he was sitting there playing, and like he got a random invite, and so he joined the thing, and he he's standing in front of some thing on the ground and he picks it up and now he has a shield in his hand and he's running around with a shield in his hand come to find out he's in vault of glass and that's the relic that he picked up and he's just running around like shooting things with it and everyone screamed like what are you doing like oh god he picked up the relic save him save like it was the craziest thing i'd ever seen in my life and so yeah (laughs) it's i it's yeah, there's lots of stories in this game that are not forefront. They, I will admit, Bungie is definitely doing a better job of of putting those stories forefront. Yeah, uh, but there's still a lot of little intricate details that are that are kind of hidden in the background that uh, Myth and I really like exposing those and and dissecting those. Yeah, so, yeah. absolutely. Uh, the one final PS from from this commenter was I. Uh, I do feel that Bungie added the myths and stories bit yes. uh, to shine a light on you. Keep it at the end of every episode. I some, intend to. <laughs> some intern somewhere did that. Like uh, to you, lonely intern, we see you and we recognize you. Yeah. Yes. But uh, thank you very much for the review. Um, and it's it, it's just cool to kind of see where everyone has come from. Uh, Absolutely. With, with destiny and how they've gotten here. And that's, that's always fun to see. So I'm glad we can be a part of that. Yeah. Uh, our next one comes to us, uh, via email. Um, say I won't divulge the names here just because, uh, emails are not public. So I will, we'll keep them anonymous unless they say otherwise. Um, but, this person says, uh, hello, my podcast app won't let me write a review, but I feel you guys deserve to know that your podcast is truly amazing. Uh, I love Destiny for its gameplay, but listening to your episodes, I am now invested in the lore and the characters. I could listen to the two of you for hours and hours. Uh, users are making my work days and gaming experience better. Well, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. 
I like I said, I I I think Des like it's it's funny when we think of Destiny and we think of like Destiny killers, right? Like Anthem, like Outriders, like there were games that were like trying to compete with Destiny and Destiny's still here. Like the gunplay and gameplay is it, it, for that for the space that it exists in, it is second to none. I think I think Bungie has nailed the um I, hell even the bow mechanics of the of the of of uh of Mr. Karmakai over over there. Mm-hmm. I love bows in Destiny. I Trinity Ghoul is my baby. I have a hundred. I think I'm up to 120,000 kills on it, and that's only <laughs> since the tracker started tracking numbers. I yeah. I have well over 300,000 kills with Trinity Ghoul. Um, yeah, I, Myth has turned me on to Leviathan's Breath. I I use Leviathan's Breath as kind of like a little bit of a meme, a little bit of joke, and then Myth like had me use it since it's since its rework. And it's kind of pretty goddamn powerful. Like it's it, it could it can slap. Yeah, for its da- for its like damage type and its and its ammo economy, like it's it's really good. It's a lot lot more good than I realized it. Uh, <laughs> I haven't had a chance to mess with a strand bow uh, of this season. Like that's that's my new like toy to figure out. But that's gonna be yeah. That's that's my next one. So yeah, I do yeah. love a, I do love a good bow. Say the bow from the dungeon is a pretty good strand bow. Oh, I forgot that was a strand bow. I may have to mess with that one. I still yeah. need the freaking sidearm, man. Like <laughs> my son got it, you got it. Like I, we're out here flapping in the wind. <laughs> no sidearms for us. You'll get it. I'm sure. Yeah. But uh, our final shout out for the evening um, again is an email, so I'm going to leave them anonymous. But uh, they brought something to our attention. Uh, that is kind of a technical support thing, but it's alarming enough that I want to talk about oh, it so that myth, everyone knows. Myth went into full panic mode before this, <laughs> before the recording of this, when we realized that this is actually a thing. And so we are going to address it now. Yeah. Um, so this person says, uh, I was just wondering if there's a way to access some of your older podcast content right now. If I wanted to listen to books of sorrow, I. Uh, I'd have to start from part seven. I'm not sure how much further back your podcasts go, but I'd like to start towards the beginning because I'm new to the destiny world. Thanks so much for the help and keeping up with the great work. Uh, so thank you. First, first off, of welcome all, welcome and thank you. Yeah. Yes. Uh, welcome, <laughs> welcome to, to this crazy world. world. Yeah. <laughs> uh, also, thank you for pointing this out because I had no idea that our previous episodes were being truncated by the different streaming services. Um, So come to find that there is a default limit on the number of episodes that can be hosted uh, across those various uh, different services, Spotify and Apple and such. Um, I was not aware of that. (laughs) And so when I did all of the setup on this stuff, I didn't, bother to to mess with any of that the good news is i believe we have tracked down uh the setting that was causing that uh with our um kind of aggregate system uh and have upped that limit to 999 which is the highest it will go so hopefully by the time of this episode's release uh, all of those older episodes will be available again. We we also didn't realize that we would surpass a hundred episodes. <laughs> this is think. also true. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, 
apologies for anybody that has been trying to find that stuff and wasn't able to. Uh, that's what was going on there. I think it's fixed now. Very worst case, if you can't find it anywhere else, it should always be available um, on our Podbean page, which is just mythsandstories.podbean.com. Uh, it's not the most convenient way to listen, but it should always be there. We so. did we did double check that one, and it, it, when you scroll to the bottom, just keep hitting load more, and it there's 13 pages of us on there, so just keep going until you run out yes. of the lo- <laughs> until the load more button doesn't show up. And our very first episode, Penguins of Europa, is all the way at the bottom. So yes, it yep. they do still exist; they are still out there. It's just for whatever the RSS feed isn't wasn't picking up the anything past the most recent 100 that were being released. So hopefully yeah. we've got it sorted out by by the time we release this one, and you won't have to worry about it. Yeah. But uh but yeah, so that's that's it for shout outs this week. Um, you know, if you liked what you heard uh, and you want to support us in some way, best way to do it, leave a review on your platform of choice. Uh if it's a platform that can do text reviews and you feel strongly enough, we like reading those. Otherwise you can reach out at Myths and Stories uh on Twitter or Myths at gmail.com. Uh, if you want to reach out that way, and you may hear yourself as a future shout out. Yeah. Uh, well, I guess I got to give a thank you. Uh, let's uh, let's thank uh, let's thank Eris. Yeah. Which I guess in turn is actually thanking Sabathun because <laughs> Sabathun says so. So <laughs> don't don't think that hard about it. That's, I'm not, I refuse. <laughs> I'm just gonna thank Eris uh, for doing what it takes to become Mommy Eris. You're the best. <laughs> Yay, um, High Varys. I I love High Varys. She just kicks in doors and tells people to fuck off, and that's her deal. And <laughs> you can't tell her otherwise because her fate is her own. Yes. Thank you, Varys, yeah. for being a badass. All right, Myth. Anything else? That's it. All righty. Well, then from all of us lore daddies to all of you nerds and guardians out there we'll see you next time you found your people guardians do love their myths and stories